Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Downright Upright Show, the place to go to hear out loud and proud what Minnesotans are thinking. And I'm your host, Philip Anthony. I'm so glad you've chosen to join us today, and I'm hoping you're all doing what? We're all doing well. Fantabulous. You forgot that word? That's our word. Fantabulous. Everybody say fantabulous. Fantabulous. There you go. (laughs) Today's show is very special to me because we're celebrating the one-year anniversary of the Downright Upright show. And as a special treat, we have four of our prior guests here to talk about what's going on in our state and what's going on in our country. And my guests today are our very first guest ever. Uh, first, it's Adam Nikolai. Hi, Adam. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Okay. Can you remind the the listeners just a little bit about you know your uh, background so they can remember you? Uh, when, I, when I was on before, we talked about uh, the books that I'd written. So I read horror and fantasy, and then I um, have been in the past fairly involved in uh, local politics with the DFL. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that was... Most of it. Yeah, okay. And then we also have author and podcaster Sue Ann Rollins. Hi, Sue Ann. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Villa. <laughs> I'm fantabulous. Are you doing fantabulous? Yes. I hope so. Uh, you know what that means, right? Fantastic and fabulous put together. I, I got that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You saved time by one word. And can yeah. you remind briefly what you, uh, your Well, I met Philip. On the Pete Buttigieg campaign, Minnesota for Pete, and I was doing a podcast about the grassroots efforts across the country and interviewing all the different uh, groups, and I interviewed Philip, and then he wanted to interview me later. So those uh, relationships that you meet when you work on campaigns, I'm sure... um, Many people listening have worked on campaigns. You get to know people pretty well. well I want to thank you for, for you know, getting me into this podcasting because yeah. I wouldn't have never done it if it wasn't for you. So thank you for that. And then we also have Grace Kelly. How are you, Grace Kelly? Hello, everyone. <laughs> I love your voice. Um, could you remind the, the listeners about your background as well? Um, so I think I got into politics because it's just too much fun. And somehow people keep putting me in charge of campaigns, and so that's where I end up. And now I'm here talking away with the wonderful Philip. Oh well, thank you. And you also don't, you know, don't forget that you helped uh, uh, Jim Carlson, our Senate state senator. Jim Carlson is great, and okay. he's doing good work. You should see the new election laws coming through. Oh, and it was my honor and my pleasure to work on two of his campaigns along with Austin here too. And uh, and we got him elected. Yes. Yay. Great guy. <laughs> he did, he is a great guy. And last but not least, we have Austin Hagen. And can you remind the the listeners also about you? Yes, thank you, Philip. Um, and thank you for saying my last name correctly because I know that's a tough one and that usually doesn't happen. Well, if um, I had my Brooklyn accent still, I'd say Ballhagen. That was Ballhagen. No, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> yes, uh, my name is Austin Ballhagen. Um, I've been heavily involved in DFL politics um, for quite a while. I'm the former chair. I'm excited to finally say former chair of uh, DFL CD2 um, and have been organizing in in democratic politics for a very long time. So. Ah, well, we hope that you do other things because you're so talented. And, <laughs> I you. told you she should run for something. I mean, you got to. 
please. I, I need to step back for a while, but maybe in the future. Yeah, yeah. Right. You, you got to iron out your things, you know, and then once that's done, we, we need you. Really, we need good candidates, in the, you know, to run for the DFL. You, you, you would be a great candidate. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Why, I never. No, and you have a I, following. Yeah, well, thank you. I don't know. I don't know if I could be a politician. I guess it's, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, I would, I would think it would be. Anyway, I enjoy doing this, though. We'll see. Anyway. So thank you for returning to celebrate the one-year anniversary, everyone. And it um, seems like yesterday, doesn't it, you guys? Like, that we were here, and, um, and now here we are again. So um, let's start with Minnesota politics first. How's that? Because we, we live in Minnesota, obviously. Uh, what are your opinions about the Minnesota legislature passing a bill giving working Minnesotans up to 12 or more weeks paid time off? Now, of course, it would be... the the DFL to do something for the working people, right? We'll start with uh, Adam. What do you think about that? Um, I think it's overdue. I think it's a good idea. Um, I'm glad they did it. I haven't had the opportunity to look into like the, the funding mechanism in detail, but what I'm hearing sounds good. I'm sure there's a lot of complaints um, from the Republican side of the aisle about you know funding with taxes. But it's a very minuscule tax. It's like a one-third percent or something like that. Um, and I think it's a good idea and it's overdue. So, Anne, what do you think about that? Well, I'm a new grandma as of last October. And my uh, son-in-law was able to take leave because he works for a, a very large company that offers it. And my daughter took leave, but it was unpaid. And it was so crucial really for the health and welfare of families and for launching that launching that's not the right word but you know uh, getting used to that newborn baby there's so much so I'm talking more about the maternity and paternity leave I know that this covers other leaves but uh, to, uh, like that's, if you're taking care of a sick right. parent is also right. counts doesn't so it so I'm yeah. just speaking uh, from my experience of how it affects the health of everyone and if you think about for for a baby, that having a healthy first start and having everybody be mentally healthy mm-hmm. and well rested and getting a good start <laughs> that that benefits society, <laughs> everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. So just seeing that firsthand, seeing how important that was to have the the time. What they did was they they kind of overlapped their time, so they had a, a big stretch. Yeah, yeah. And there's so much with a newborn. Yeah. I just can't imagine it would have been so much more stressful and yes of course it's going to cost money and of course the republicans are going to complain about anything anything that costs money (laughs) (laughs) so everything's politics so that that makes it a little bit trickier to talk about actually the substance of a lot of issues because it's hard to remove the politics that's what people are seeing on the news or just reading little you know sound bites or then it's hard to get underneath that. And that's a wider problem. That's national. That's, yeah, that's everywhere. Yeah, so yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I'm sure I'm going to be talking about that. Yeah, yeah. So Grace Kelly, what do you think about it? Well, actually, I think business is going to love this. The reason is, is because what business hates most is uncertainty and you know being hit with a surprise. But when you know you can plan for something, it's much, much easier. And we know, we know people need to take time off. COVID-19 hit us with that big time. 
this allows a way that everybody can do it and plan for it and work it into the system. And it levels the playing field so that every business is on the same rules and on the same page. So I think they're going to love it. Yeah, I I think so, too. And Austin, what do you think about paid family leave passing? Yeah, um, I mean, to echo what's been said earlier, it's long overdue. Um, You know, there are some other states that offer paid family leave. um, But internationally, um, the United States sits way behind our peers in terms of providing any sort of paid family and medical leave for people. Um, I know the GOP is going to scream and rail that this is a cost and that it hurts business, but it's an investment in Minnesota workers. Um, you know, we've seen consistently Minnesota is frequently ranked as one of the best states to raise a family, one of the best, best states to settle in, to retire and to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this only adds to that in terms of we really are um, leaps and bounds ahead of um, many of our surrounding states because we invest in Minnesota workers. Absolutely. Yeah. And if I could put my two cents in, I think it's going to be great for people who have sick relatives as well, you know, like if you have a child that's sick or if you have a parent, you know, a lot of people, a lot of parents are living longer now and they, you know, they're not in uh, hospice care. They want to be home. So that that would be helpful for people like that as well. Right. Okay, so uh, let's go to uh, the public safety bill that Governor Walls is um, uh, about to sign. He didn't sign it yet, as far as I know. Um, So it includes background checks for gun show sales and a procedure under which judges could remove guns from individuals who are determined to be dangerous to others. Uh, What do you think about that, Sue Ann? We'll start with Sue Ann this time. Okay, I don't know um, all the details of that other than what you have read. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that's a, a very good way to start to approach the, the problem. Mm-hmm. And I do know gun owners in the, like my family. And it's interesting in our conversations, the sorts of things that they're willing to consider. I'm talking about a moderate, not, not like a extremist, but somebody who still is worried about a little bit too much gun control. So I think that this this is something that seems to be acceptable. Back, yeah. More background checks, more checks then. Um, yep. For some reason, they don't like the banning the AR-15. And I don't... See, that's I don't a know problem how that for me. Be, that, yeah. that's anyway, I don't know yeah. what... But I think it's maybe the difference between a ban, you know, <laughs> that just sounds too much... Control or regulating uh, is yeah. a better word. Yeah. So, but on the other end, you know, and the, the the checks, I think is more, at least to the person that I talk to, yeah. more amenable. And I think that's what's so tricky about these issues is how do you reach the people who are, you know, what they're moderate. There are a lot of people in the middle, right? Right. I mean, yeah. we we only hear the, and they only hear the extremes. Mm-hmm. On media, so it's like, how? What sort of thing will you be willing to accept? And it's a step, right? Right. It's a step we, in the right direction. It's we have to do something. Yes, Grace Kelly. What do you? So uh, the nice thing about Minnesota is, if you look at the numbers, we are high in gunnership, but we are also high in safety. That's very unusual, and I think that this bill is going further in that direction. Um, and I think everybody agrees that that there should be a judicial process that removes the right to have a gun. 
And, and, and that, you know, when you drive, it's not a given right that you get all the time. You abuse it, you hurt people, and you can't be held, uh, then you are held responsible by a court. That's all this process is setting up is reasonable things so that, you know, people can safely do both. And I think that this is a world that we can make better. And if it wasn't, I think that the, the rhetoric around here is polluted by the people who like to sell guns and make money from it. They don't want us to have a rational conversation mm-hmm. because then they can scare people. They can sell more guns. They can, they can make the universe better. Every time there's a controversy, gun companies do better. Well, what we want is we want the people of Minnesota to do better. And I think that this bill doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and instead of having schools that look like uh, uh, military installations, you know what? You know, army, uh, an army around there. Protect, I mean, it's ridiculous. We have to have more regulation, in my opinion. What do you think, Austin, today? Yeah, um, I mean, the, the public safety bill uh, is incredible. Um, and it's, it's disheartening to hear. Um, I know there was a comment that came out of the Senate from one of the Republicans that, you know, the DFL is coming for your Zamboni next. Um, and I think it's a, a huge disservice to what this public safety wait, 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 bill wait, wait, offers. What did they say? <laughs> the, the DFL would be coming for the Zambonis next. Um, and, and I, you know, wow. it's, it's such a disservice to what this public safety bill offers, which is nearly $880 million um, for public safety in Minnesota, including around $230 million that's going to be going towards um, increasing things like judicial pay um, for, or pay for judicial workers, I should say. Um, and, and it's common sense legislation. And I was thrilled to see that it made it through the Senate. Um, this was a huge show of DFL unity. I know there were a handful of uh, DFL senators with concerns leading up to um, final passage of that, and I I was glad to see that we had everybody on board. Yeah, me too. Adam, do you you have an opinion about this? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, I I find it hard to speak in a measured way about this. Uh, I don't... I used to be a moderate on this issue. I used to be able to see both sides of this issue. I cannot see both sides of this issue anymore. We have had too much blood. We've had too many children killed. We have children killed regularly, weekly in this country. We have people, we have children who are in their classrooms learning, which, you know, you don't really understand it until you have kids. But when you have kids, it should, if you are a reasonable human being, completely alter your outlook on this. Having like gun ownership, and I don't, I don't really care that people disagree with this. My view on it, gun ownership does not really serve a public good. It's not like driving a car where it gets people to work. It helps further their families. You can go hunting, great. You can feel safer with it under your pillow, fine. But other than that, it doesn't serve any kind of critical public good. And there is no need to be sacrificing our children at the altar of guns. There's just no need for it. I'm glad they passed this at the state level. It's, it's good policy. But, you know, my kids go to school and they're terrified. They're terrified. I, I my kid told I, me the other day somebody popped a balloon and the whole hallway freaked out. All the kids ran. There was screaming. They didn't know what had happened. Uh-huh. And then later, you know, the kids who wanted to recover faster started making fun of the kids who freaked out. The kids who were scared for their lives because they left their front door. And I don't know how we can sit and still talk about it like it's just a question of policy. 
Yeah. It's not just a question of policy. It's abhorrent yeah, it is. what we allow to happen in this country to our children. And the fact that anybody can still just sit and talk about it, like I said right before we started, speaking as a parent, speaking as a person sitting here who has to look my kids in the eyes every morning, I'd repeal the Second Amendment tomorrow. I don't give a damn about it. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is not. I don't see what good it is doing our country. It just seems to be dragging it towards this path of violence. And as far as like a person who used to be a moderate, who feels increasingly pushed to an extremist position by the right on this, it's it, it feels like it's not even possible to be a moderate because if you try to claim you're a moderate, they just scream about how you're an extremist anyway. So I'm I'm over it. Yeah, and the, and the I question, don't care what. And, and to me, the question is, um, uh, you know, back in the day when we had fire drills was the big thing kids worried about. Mm -hmm. You know, now it's you know you know how to hide under the desk and where to go if the person walks in the room. They have this whole process that they have to live with. These are little children. I mean, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I mean, I think if you want to have a gun, it should be regulated. It should, if you want to keep it in your house, maybe in your drawer, you know, uh, in case somebody's trying to rob you, but you should be walking around in the street with it. That's me. But again, yeah, we're I, also talking about the difference between military grade weapons yeah, the AR and a exactly. single that's shot ridiculous. weapon. Yeah. You know, that's mm -hmm. just nuts. We've nuts. gone to military grade. Mm -hmm. Well, you have kindergartners walking into school with their parents' handgun, shooting their teacher with it. But, but yeah, God forbid yeah, yeah, we yeah, should yeah. try and do anything about that. Yeah, you know, I, I'm in favor of laws that hold parents responsible that hold them liable. I would like to see those people lose their children. I would like to see them lose their livelihood, their homes. I would like to see them go to prison. Yeah, how did these children get these, don't the parents lock them up? What are they doing, you know? One, one of the problems, and I think it's also assessed in the bill, is we've talked about guns, but we haven't talked about how you have to take care of guns if you own one. Sure. And, Absolutely, and I, I agree and with I you. And I think there was even a problem where there wasn't even a law against just leaving a gun sitting out on a kitchen table, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and um, so one of our problems has been that you have to keep guns safe. You can't just own a gun. Right. It has to be a responsibility thing. Right, right. Well, finally on Minnesota politics... Um, <clears throat> We have, obviously, the DFL has done amazing stuff since we've had the trifecta, right? Um, the Minnesota legislator, uh, le bleh, legislature, I'll be okay, uh, uh, passed and Governor Wall signed laws that would prevent local units of government from curbing a woman's right to seek an abortion, uh, banning conversion therapy, protecting the right to gender-affirming care, among other laws, can I have your thoughts about these recently passed laws and any other laws that recently did pass that I haven't mentioned? We'll start now this time with Grace. Oh, did I start with you already? No, yeah, with you, Grace, yeah. I think it's amazing that some parties talk about freedom, and when they talk about freedom, they seem to be talking about taking away everybody else's freedom. <laughs> That's true, yeah. I mean, cheapers. I mean, it seems inherently a right that my body is my own and I should get make decisions about it. And I, I think everything is sort of heading that way. I mean, the, the marijuana laws are really what I put in my body is my choice unless I'm messing with other people. And, and, and everything is this theme. And if there's anything that I should get to decide, it's who I love 
and you know what my body produces and what I do inside my own body and I can't tell you that this just this seems ridiculous that we have to so go out and protect something that to me seems innate mm-hmm. you know um I would not presume to tell you what you could do with your fingernail, much less inside your sexual organs. Right. Why does anybody think they can do that to me? It, it's just, to me, very bizarre. I'm glad we're going on this route. I can't believe we got there. Yeah, yeah. Austin, what do you think? Yeah, um, you know, it's incredible to see what has come out of the trifecta this year. Everything from the PRO Act and the Infrastructure Bill um, to the Crown Act um, and and even things that aren't necessarily super sexy or exciting but important. Um, And I'll give a shout-out to uh, Rick Hansen and his work with um, preventing chronic wasting disease spreading in Minnesota Mm -hmm. um, with deer population. It's it's things that aren't necessarily even exciting but things that the DFL cares about um and wants to make sure that we protect our natural resources um but yeah i mean i i'm i'm a queer woman um i feel safe in minnesota i would not feel safe in my home state um i am heavily involved uh volunteer with stonewall dfl and i can't tell you the number of people that we had um in the last year that have come forward and said you know i'm a political refugee from another state i moved here because I didn't feel safe in Idaho or I didn't feel safe in Wisconsin. Um, it's it's unfortunate to see that happen around us, um, but it's heartwarming to know that Minnesota um, has become a refuge and, and is really leading the way in terms of protecting um, reproductive freedom for um, for women, um, for trans men, protecting um, you know our, our trans and queer communities. It's it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and a lot of people are coming here mm-hmm. because we are an island state. That's what, that's the new term I'm hearing. That we are a state that's surrounded by. Don't do this. You can't do that. You can't walk here. You can't say that. You can't read that book. You can't do this. And Minnesota is like, do what the hell you want. And that's why I live here, and I'm very proud to be Minnesotan. What about what do you think about this? Adam? I'm really proud to be Minnesotan too, and I get more proud every year. Um, and you know, I think there's going to be a lot more of that. I think like there's a, a good possibility that that this trifecta may last a little while because people are coming here because they see what's happening. Yep. And I don't know. I'm not going to make any predictions because I'm always wrong anyway. But um, you know, w- with regard to these particular bills. Um, I'm glad that we are able to be a place where people can come for abortions if they need them. I am glad that we are a place where people can be free to have express the identity that they hold. I will say um, that I think the question of transitioning as a teenager is a very fraught one. And I think it is one that should be up to up to a family, up to a child, and it is... Don't forget the doctor, too. And a doctor. Yep. But, the, like, the one person who should not have any input is, the government. is whoever's <laughs> leading the Republican caucus. Like, that, that person yep, doesn't have it. any input. Like, nobody is claiming that every 11-year-old who, who wants to transition should immediately be allowed to do a physical medical transition. But that's, like, the extremist position that they're trying to claim is the position. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but people need to be free to handle that how they will without being told yes or no by the government out of the gates. Yeah. Um, it, it all comes back to personal freedom and the dem- the DFL is the party of personal freedom right now in Minnesota. Without question, yes. And Sue Ann, what do you think? Well, I'm just going to talk about another angle. I, I agree and celebrate every everything that's been said already. But you could tell Walls right away was trying to be like, we are the anti-Florida peer. He tweeted <laughs> way back when about teachers were probably... Yeah, that's true. DeSantis yeah. did the, you know, the don't say gay bill and all that. Uh, when, and and uh, Walls tweeted, you know, we if you want to come here, teachers, if you uh, come up to Minnesota, and it's true, a huge difference. So I see everything is like... The states are all like, we're either going to be red or we're going to be blue. There's nothing in between right now. Yeah, and yeah. that the angle here that I think the red states are going to find out, or some of them, is that, you know, with more um, openness and acceptance and tolerance of people, that's really good for the economy. I, I'm, I'm not a business person. I don't want to sound like this. But, you know, it's like we're, we have a diverse economy in Minnesota. We're doing really well. We did well during COVID. And I think that the fact that we accept people, we accept people to come here, whoever you are, come here and and work and start a business and raise a family. And and I think the things that businesses thrive yeah. under those, those circumstances. And the OBGYNs are coming here now. Did you hear that one? Well, because they can't feel comfortable practicing in their state, so they want to get thrown in jail for practicing. You can medicine. go in jail. Yes. If a woman is hemorrhaging in the eighth month in some states, they can go to jail if they abort the, the pregnancy. Right. And so that's even more important for Minnesota. They have to be on the, I think they have to be on death's door before they can do it. Is that when well, uh, I'm in Kansas? Yeah. So roll the dice. Maybe you live, maybe you don't. <laughs> what, what does death's door mean? Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a reason they, they, that medical professionals make decisions when they do, and we shouldn't be in their face telling them what to do. I'm sorry, Andrew. Which makes no, it even no, more no. important for Minnesota to, to, to be doing this. And I just thought of that angle because you know, we have fantastic health services, companies, uh, you know, we've got Mayo, we've got Medtronic, we've got the University of Minnesota. Uh, it's a great place for, um, you know, get any kind of specialist that you need here, you know, mm-hmm. especially in the Twin Cities area. So, of course, we would have to be, you know, open for all all areas of medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I don't know what's going to happen long term. I think, it, like uh, you said, it's like more uh, Democrats are going to be moving here. And it'll be turning, yeah. it'll be bright blue before you know it. And here's the thing, you know, they always ask like during, during that and during each election, are you happy with the way things are going? And I, are there really going to be a lot of complaints? I suppose if, you know, there are social issues, of course, with and religious angles with abortion. I, I understand that it's a complex issue uh, so that individuals can have their own opinion but as far as like as far as our economy and how is the state doing and how are you doing can you put food on the table all of those issues that really are Minnesotans going to be feeling really upset like Walls has destroyed their life mm-hmm. you know last election it was the whole COVID lockdown stuff because right. we're not going to have that mm-hmm. next election because yeah. I, can, I can understand you know businesses were hurt Every, right. A lot of people were hurt. Everybody, everybody, everybody was hurt. Was, people yeah. were hurt. So Kids were hurt. But yeah. you see, the thing with me is, uh, uh, I I think I live here for the fact that I can be me. Yeah. 
and not worry about uh, uh, the government turning turning around and saying, you know, you can't, uh, you know, uh, do A, B, C, D. Mm-hmm. Whereas in other states, like the, like you said in Florida, in the uh, with the uh, don't say gay bill, um, you know, you can't even talk. Like if I was a teacher in a classroom and I, you know I'm married to a man, you know, I couldn't t- I couldn't put a picture of my husband on my desk probably because they some some while Karen will just say, you know, my son should not be exposed to this. And and I think you should go to jail for what you're doing to my children. You know, yeah. this is what's going to happen. And it's very, very uncomfortable for me to, to think yes. about a society like that. So anyway, I, I think it's a very Minnesotan thing that we care about people and their welfare and not, you know, what kind of um, you know, try and put any religious restrictions. Like, you know, it snows here bad. If we didn't take care of each other, we wouldn't even get to work or get food or anything. Right, right. And as Governor Wall says, other states are banning books. We are banning <laughs> hunger. Doesn't <laughs> yes, that make that. more yeah. sense? Absolutely. Oh you know, the, the thing, the thing um, to end on the Minnesota politics right now, the thing I actually cried when I saw that video of all these children. Did you guys see this? Mm-hmm. It's like they're all hugging. I, I feel like I want to cry now. Yeah. He, they're grabbing him. We love you. And they're mm-hmm. kissing him and they're hugging him because they can eat now in school. I mean, God, little thing like that. These yeah, it has are... to be available to everyone so there's no yeah. Yeah. You know, taboo or. Anyway. So now we're going to move on to our wonderful United States politics. <laughs> you Everything guys. is fine. There's nothing to talk about. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing going on. Um, the former twice impeached president appeared at a town hall recently on CNN, the new Fox, and continued his greatest hits that the election was rigged, that family separation policy was, quote, good policy. That the phone call to the Georgia Secretary of State was perfect. Can you talk about what he said at this town hall that was dangerous and troublesome to you, including some of the ones I haven't mentioned, Austin? We'll start with Austin this time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's it was disheartening to see, um, one, that that town hall was even allowed to occur. Um, Me too. And I know the... the head of CNN has said that he did it because he wanted people to understand the stakes of what's out there and that, you know, this is, you know, Trump hasn't gone away and whatever, but you could tell in, in the days following, you know, there's been news articles and in, even in catching snippets from CNN, there's a lot of disagreement at that network, even over what was aired and what happened. And, you know, Jake Tapper followed the town hall with, we don't have time in our program to even begin fact-checking everything that was incorrectly stated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he repeated time and again issues and, and fraudulent claims about the election um, and was largely cheered by the crowd that was there present of Republican and Republican-leaning voters. Um, he continued to defame um, Ms. Carroll, uh, that you know he's been found guilty of defamation um, and continued to repeat and those sexual assault in, I might add. in battery yeah and yeah. that was repeated on national television um, you know it's frustrating for me to watch that um, and for those of you that don't know uh, in undergrad 
one of my majors was journalism, um, really something I'm passionate about, you know, maintaining a, a fourth estate, um, and a fourth estate that's there to watch and provide accurate, valuable service, um, and not free publicity to people that, um, you know, it gained ratings and that, that's what it comes down to. Oh yeah. I think they Absolutely. said what, 30 million people watched it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's free publicity. And we learned this in 2016 when Trump ran, the more outlandish he is, the more coverage he gets because people are, I mean, it's shocking. Um, at some point you, after you've tried to calm a child down, after you've ensured that they are safe and they're not going to hurt themselves and they're not hungry or whatever, um, you, you have to just let them have their tantrum and not give it airtime. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm thinking though, that Licked is, and I mentioned this before we even started, Adam, right? I think I told you um, that he's trying to get the evacuees from Fox. And, you know, the more eyeballs they get, the more advertising they get, uh, it's better for them. And and, and that's not what it should be about. It should be about news. Give me the freaking news. Well, and CNN's (laughs) hardly a, a, I mean, I don't want to entirely knock the network, but this is the same people that brought us Crossfire. And that show was an absolute disaster when it came to elevating extremist positions and presenting them as an alternative, Mm -hmm. equally valid opinion. Um, Yeah, it's it's dangerous. You're right. Absolutely. Adam, what do you think? Um, Well, I didn't watch it because I don't care what Donald Trump says because I've already heard everything he has to say. And I know he's not saying anything new. And I also know anytime he opens his mouth to speak about quote unquote policy, he doesn't care about policy. He cares about himself. He's made that abundantly clear over and over again. We've had, by the time of the election, you know, eight years of this guy. I think people know where they stand. Um, I don't feel any civic obligation to be informed on what he's saying. I, I watched him for a long time. I read what he had to say. I made up my mind. He's obviously made up his. But the catch-22 is, you know... I'm also not comfortable lambasting a news organization for having a presidential candidate on a forum as a principle, as an American. Mm-hmm. I, res- I reserve my right to utterly ignore it. I think it's insane and a dereliction of duty that there were only Republicans and Trump supporters in the audience in that room. Yeah. I think if there was a dereliction of duty, it was there. But when this guy wins the primary, because he's going to win the Republican primary again, mm-hmm. we're going to be exactly where we were the last two election cycles, where you have one of the people. See, the problem here is we have a set of rules in this country based on democracy and based on a base level of respect for the candidates. But we have people running in that system who do not respect the game, do not respect the rules of the game, do not have any interest in a fair outcome to the game. They are making that increasingly clear with their attempts to overthrow electoral systems and appoint fake electors and everything. Their goal is to just take everything over and have it be all what they want it to be. And they've made that clear again and again and again. That's why I say any time we have any conversation about policy, it's a joke. That Policy has nothing to do with it. This is, you have one side that is trying to win elections in a democratic system, you have another side which is trying to end the democratic system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very difficult. Like, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. If you tell the guy he can't have airtime, you're violating the tenets of a democratic system, right? right. Like, a candidate for president should be able to get his views aired. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
by taking that position, by going on the air, he is working constantly to undermine and destroy that system. Okay, that's so, why I call it a catch-22. Yeah, right. Where would you draw the line, though, Adam, when you have, um, you know, our system of government is based on democracy, on, on, on trusting our elections and trusting uh, that everything is, is, is following the norms, you know. Mm -hmm. And he's saying uh, over and over again that the election was rigged. Where would I draw it? I would have drawn it about... Four years why ago. why should we keep letting him air his lies because it's it's further dividing the country and we can have another January 6th so about, right but, but well first of all it's not my call to make but the question is if we shut him out completely yeah. why do you draw the line at Donald Trump why is Kevin McCarthy allowed airtime when he's obviously the man's lapdog, why it would like, you know, 60, 70% of the Republican Party be allowed to open its mouth when all of them are blatantly anti-democracy at this point. Yeah. Don't believe that the 2020 election was handled fairly or whatever. You know, all those lies, all those lies about how the election went. Are we going to say none of them can have airtime? Because that also feeds into the idea that the news media is against them and they're not allowed to speak. Like, You're right in that in that respect, yes, because they say, why are we suppress? Why are you suppressing this person and not this person? Yeah, you're with, right. With specific regard to CNN, I will say CNN is sensationalist. It's always been very sensationalist. It's another one of those situations where every time the right wing extremists come out and say CNN is so liberal, it's laughable because they're they're <laughs> not, not right. liberal. They're sensationalist. Like yeah. whatever it is, they'll yeah. keep it to the max to get clicks and, and ad revenue. And, uh, you know, I look at the website a lot. I don't ever watch CNN because it gives me heart palpitations. But I will, look at, I, will, I, will, I will look at the website. And the website, right after the stuff with Trump, was very, like, fact check, fact check. He lied off the bet. It jumped, jumped, and just, like, jumping down his throat. And I was kind of watching it, like, well, why even? I mean, what, you know, whatever. Um, it's fine. Do what you want. But the presentation on TV was, you know, very different from what the website's showing. Right. Um, but right. with regard to CNN... I think there comes a point where I'm not comfortable telling people what they can say or who they can talk to. I feel like the American public has shown already that they're kind they know who Donald Trump is. Right. I don't know that there's much more he can say. I don't and I don't in my heart of hearts, and maybe I'm wrong about this, and I was screaming about he he might win, he might win all through twenty sixteen. But in my heart of hearts, I feel like in a fair election, he's gonna lose again. Because nothing's changed between 2020 and now. Yes. And people know who he is. I'm going to ask Sue Ann this question because um, did you watch the debate, Sue Ann? What, you didn't. You mean his, the town The hall? debate. The, so I was yeah, the following. Uh, it was, was a debate, actually, because Caitlin Collins really was debating him. So I was following I mean, somebody on Twitter who was live tweeting yeah. you know, as it went. This is what he had said. And there were little video clips, but I can't stand to see him. So I didn't watch Oh, my God. Those, I, hate but, his, I hate his voice, so. his whole way he... He deals with people that you know right. it's so it's, grating on the on the nerves you know right. I mean, so i i mean i was disappointed i'm still naive i guess i thought you know i didn't think there were so many really horrible people around uh but uh so i'm continually disappointed and i couldn't believe that it's allowed to happen all the falsehoods and i thought well where where are we we haven't made any progress and if this is just going to keep going on and i guess maybe that's a mistake is thinking that my my mistake and my my logic is feeling like, okay, well, that is over, or that segment 
is over, but it's still we're still in the Trump area era until he's out of the picture. And so I unfortunately was yeah. wrong about thinking, well, at least he's not going to talk about all these things that he's under investigation for. But it yeah. makes me really, really, really want him to be indicted on all of those things. But Adam, I loved everything that you said. And um, I, you're right. Like he's not going to get he's going to have fewer people voting for him after because of January 6th. I mean, there are a lot of the yeah. like a decent people are just like, okay, well, like, even if I believe in his politics, like, uh, I, that was just, that's too far. And I don't know how he could get any, in, anybody in the middle in yeah. independence. I don't either. I don't, I don't understand that the party's in a, I, I'm too bad for them, right? I, do you feel it, sorry for them? Because they're really in a pickle. Yeah. You know, Sue Ann, the, 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 there was a, um, a poll that the country is, 25% Democrat, 25% Republican, and fi almost 50% Independent. Yeah. So if, you, if, you, if you're alienating the middle there, those people that, well, I don't know if they're middle, whatever they I mean, are. Yeah, he can win but, the primary, but he's, how can he win a general election? Yeah, with? He yeah. doesn't have anything new to offer. Yeah, Grace Kelly, what do you think? Well, I agree that we need freedom of speech, but we also have to remember that freedom of speech goes both ways. And right after somebody says something outrageous and an incredible lie and incredibly hurtful, we get to call bullshit. Absolutely. <laughs> and in Minnesota, we've been so Minnesota nice for so long that <laughs> yes. we've never really incorporated <clears throat> the concept of calling bullshit. And we, we were like, oh, well, we can't be ungracious. Well, in politics, unfortunately, we've now gotten to the point we have to be ungracious. So... I think that this is the beginning of the bullshit era. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, let's move on to um, Florida. You guys like we Florida? Have to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not moving to Florida. Sorry. I had a nightmare. I moved to Florida, and that's it. The like, weather's that's nice. The nightmare. <laughs> and then you woke up screaming, right? <laughs> the weather's nice, but the red tide is not so nice. Anyway. Uh, colleges and universities in Florida are no longer allowed, listen to this, to spend money on most diversity, equality, and inclusion programs under a slate of higher education reforms Governor DeSantis signed into law on May 15th to curtail woke ideology on campuses across the state of Florida. What are your thoughts about that? <laughs> this is just so bizarre to me, but we're going to begin with Mr. Adam. I'll try not to go too long, but the Supreme Court already said speech is money, right? Money is speech. That's a freedom of speech issue, foundationally. Um, you would think, if it is the same Supreme Court, nah. that it would strike it down. Nah. But it won't. They don't care about that. No. That's not um, important to them. I just no. want to point it out, you know, because there's yeah. a lot of hypocrisy that goes on. No. Um, <laughs> and it's good to point it out when it happens. Yeah. But this is about exactly what I was talking about before. It's about control. It's about telling people what they can think. It's about telling people what they can learn and who they can be, ultimately. Uh -huh. What books you could read. Yeah. Well, and the amount of book banning that's going on is, you know, positively medieval. It's insane. Mm -hmm. um, African-American studies, uh, AP African-American studies is not even allowed to be taught in Florida, right? You heard that? No, I it thought was, that they had to revise it. Yeah, they, they do. No, but but I mean in the first place, why are you? My point is, why are you picking on that particular <laughs> group of There's people? There's no dog whistle anymore, I guess. <laughs> they had to revise it twice. The Rosa Parks passage had all mention of her skin color removed. 
yeah. and all mentioned. Isn't that all about why she sat, couldn't sit in the, in the, in the front of the bus? Because it's the she whole story. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it was also that she did what she believed was right. Mm. Right. Is how they phrased it. Right. Instead of what was right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's not, it's, it's an agenda. It's, it's a goal. That's what they want the whole country to look like. Yeah, that's yeah. what they want Minnesota to look like. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, when they when they take power by violating the results of elections, these are the types of policies they plan to roll out throughout the entire country. Does anybody else have an a, opinion about well, that? Well, the thing about Florida is what, so where do they get most of their income from? Tourism? People, Probably. People who don't actually live there and care what their schools are like. There's a, the difference between Minnesota and Florida. But he's attacking Disney, isn't he, also? Yeah, well, he's not going to win. So here's the thing. <laughs> I mean, come you on. Know? <laughs> Yeah, I just don't I know how much, one. you know, those are all that, that um, law or whatever is, what a, I don't know what it's called, for, against those programs in state-funded universities, right? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That, You're too so, woke, he said. Yeah, well, he's just trying lots of things that I don't know how they're going to last or how, how they're even, and those the state uh, college system will say, you know, our enrollment's down for some reason. We're hurting. I mean, how Where is are this? the teachers? No, if this is if it's really yeah. going to be in place, and if you look big picture, long term, uh, really, are they are they going to lose their enrollment? Right. And and then they'll, I, I don't know, the whole DeSantis stuff, this is going to be an era that I don't think that's, it's going to, I hope. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's just too crazy. He's trying whatever he can do. And it's too extreme. Oh, absolutely. But Great. for the citizens of Florida, that's what I just don't understand how it quite works. When they get so much money for tourism, people who don't actually live there year round and care about how things are for <clears throat> for people living there. Yeah. So I think they can get away with a lot. Yeah. Grace. Because of that. Kelly, what do you think? Well, <laughs> internationally, um, China has been trying to rewrite history and rewrite facts for a long time. And I think this is why we have freedom of speech. So even though we may have to call bullshit on things, we listen to everything and we have everything accessible to us. And and obviously, as long as the Internet exists and it's free and available to everybody, no matter how bad some of it is, um, then it doesn't matter what DeSantis is trying to do because he's actually drawing attention to and making the point by making the law. So everybody becomes painfully aware mm-hmm. that this is happening. Mm-hmm. So I think he's having the opposite effect. And I don't think it's really helping him get more votes. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, uh, when you run for president, don't you have to distinguish yourself from somebody else? <laughs> I mean, if you're running as baby Trump, what? what uh, I mean, I might as well go for the real thing, not, right. you know, not uh, the sequel, you know? Well, I mean, what do you think... Austin, I don't know. I'm, I, I must be crazy. I don't know. I, I'm thinking, like, wh- no, why is this that's, man that's even... That's why he's not doing well. I could talk know, an hour it. on DeSantis. Um, it's my understanding <laughs> that there are 18 public colleges, colleges and universities in Florida. Um, and in spite of everything DeSantis has done, and there's a lot there, he prides himself in being, quote-unquote, anti-woke. Um, you know, celebrated when he was condemned by the United Nations Council for Human Rights um, for things he's done in Florida. He celebrated that moment. 
Um, but so again, 18 public colleges and universities, and they're not just banning these programs that promote diversity and inclusion on campus. Um, he even demanded that they turn over, uh, student health information, um, including like, you know, when you have your menstrual cycle, um, are you seeking gender affirming care? And six of those universities willingly handed that information over to the governor's office for review. I am not an attorney. I do not play one on television, but I am 99% sure that is a huge, huge HIPAA violation. Um, it's alarming wow. what is happening in Florida. And, you know, we, we've seen an increase. People throw out the word fascism. That's what this is. He has created a foothold for fascism in state government in Florida. And it's, it is, it is a terrifying place to live. And there's a reason why if you go online right now, you can find week long trips to Florida that used to be, you know, two ninety nine a night are $99 now for a week long trip because nobody wants to go there. It's not safe for many families to bring themselves there. Right, right. And, and, and what if you have children that are, you know, that are transsexual and, and that want to express their true selves in school? I, would, I feel bad for those children. I really do. I mean, because I remember how I was, you know, but, I, but you know, I'm talking in the 70s, though. You know, I was, you know, I'm not exactly a spring chicken here, you know. But back in the 70s, being gay was terrible. It was like crime, you know. Mm -hmm. And I kept in the closet for a long, long time. Um, and I remember how horrible it was for me. Imagine now being a trans child in Florida. I mean, I, I just can't imagine. Those poor kids. I mean, right. I and if the families don't have resources to leave or. They, yeah. It, it's kids. That's why there's so many kids with a lot of problems in this country today because we don't let kids live their lives mm -hmm. and, and, and be them, be their true selves, you know, just be who they are. But I'm interested you know? in, in anybody else here on this panel. Do, do you know about how that the tourism being such a big part of the economy there and that allows him to to play around and get these things passed and that there's not going to be this public uproar? Do, does anybody know about? I mean, he's, he's got a following and that's, I mean, you, you made the point or said just a second ago, you know, there's people that don't have the resources to leave and it's true. There's a lot of people that don't have resources to leave and they don't have resources to fight back. And, you know, he gets money. Um, you know, Republicans have the ability to outspend Democrats day in, day out, all day, every day. They have the money, yeah. They've got the money. They'll never outwork us, but they can outspend us. And people that don't have the resources to leave also oftentimes don't have the time or the buying power to invest money and in, you know politically it's it's hard to donate time and it's harder to donate money um i i don't know i don't know what the answer is there i know and that's the, the northern part of the state is like is the south it's like it's got its different <laughs> yeah yeah i mean um, and, and we also proved that Disney is virtually an independent country within uh, yeah. Florida and gets to do whatever it wants. Mm -hmm. And DeSantis really doesn't have the power to even control Disney. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so it's kind of a moot point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we were told, this next question is interesting, we were told by right-wing news outlets that the border would be out of control, quote-unquote, that, you know, it would be like a zoo, right? Uh, after, title, after Title 42 would end, you know, not, and then Title 8 would take over after that, right? Um, but what we're finding is the total opposite. They're saying it, it's, it's, pretty, it's going pretty well. I mean, 
under the circumstances. You know, obviously it's not perfect. Um, so what are your thoughts about the border and what's going on there? So I I'm, think it's, I'm a former so yeah. ESL teacher. I taught adult ed and I've had, I was I too. Taught, you remember right. that. Yeah, yeah. In my 21 years, I got to know hundreds of immigrants. So it just, it just infuriates me how they're painted as like all immigrants are bad or even all immigrants at the border are bad. Like, oh, well, let's talk about the nuance of how, what, what would it take for you to leave your country and just, and walk or risk your life? Let's think about like how, why these people are so desperate. But I think it's just going to be one of those talking points for the right, the fear of immigrants. So no matter what's happening, they're just going to, they're going to show the extreme. And yeah. I don't know how we're going to get past this. I've been spending a lot of time with, um, <clears throat> with family who, who have Fox uh, on. And so I can see what, what's happening and, and, and they're always going to show that and, and they're going to keep playing it up and, and Biden's failing no matter what. It, it's just so yeah. predictable and it doesn't really matter what is really happening. Yeah, but you know what? I, I, so that's, <laughs> that's the, what I, that's it, true. it's just highly, highly, highly political. And we could say MSNBC is going to be the same way. Uh, I hope because, not. Well, I, like they both have their agendas. I'm not saying it's unfair, but we have to be realistic that they're for profit. Yeah. media yeah. outlets and they want to keep their viewers so they, it's sensationalism like you said and on broadcast news is like that too like we got to keep the eyes up here we got to keep people tuning in and so unfortunately that's not a good model for let's solve problems right, right. let's get these two parties together who are actually going to talk about you know, I guess that would be watching the news hour on PBS, yeah. right? But that's too boring for a lot of people. Exactly. So, um, yeah, because it's, it's, very it's disheartening. just news. Yeah. So I, I, I don't even, I don't know what to say. Grace Kelly, I have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, othering, you know what that means, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, uh, do you think, and this is just my opinion, but I want to know what you think um, to piggyback on what Sue Ann was saying. Um, doesn't the right... Uh, live off of othering because all they do, if you watch Fox News, is those trans people, those gay people, mm -hmm. those brown people coming across the border, those black people uh, that, that rioted after George Floyd. Uh, it's always, always somebody. And, you know, piggybacking on what Sue Ann uh, mentioned what do you think about that do you think that's what they're trying to do right now oh we the the republican party is definitely trying to build their base by saying that's not us and 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 every time they do it they try and do it with immigration and they were talking about well let's not just talk about um, recent immigrants let's talk about first generation immigrants and so forth so on my blog once i said let's go all the way seventh generation tenth generation I mean, these indigenous people have had problems with immigrants forever. And we're all recent immigrants if you go back far enough. I mean, when you other people and you put people in the category, you have to kind of have this feeling about how much does this fit on me? Uh, and, and so it, it's just crazy. Why do we pick on people for things like immigration and so forth? Republican Party, since they want to be the party of business, but truly they are not the party of business because there are some jobs that immigrants take 
that that make our economy better and it's good to have them coming in. So to regulate it in a reasonable fashion and have an ongoing stream of just the right numbers makes our common economy flourish. Mm-hmm. Having diversity of thought makes our economy Diversity is our strength. It's not our weakness. That's what sets us apart from other countries, I think, when it comes to diversity, because we, we're not a monolith here in the United States, religiously or ethnically or racially or sexual orientationally. Is that a word? Uh, now it, I just invented it there. Um, yeah, well, well, let's see what uh, Austin has to say about this. What do you think? Yeah, um, I mean, immigrants have long been a convenient scapegoat of the GOP. Um, and, and there were, I mean, you know, the term crisis at the border gets thrown out. There, there was a crisis at the border. There, there truly was in terms of you had people turning out, um, attempting to seek asylum, and they're getting gassed or shot with beanbags. Um, you know, that, that did happen, um, and I don't want to downplay that. Um, with that said, um, you know, Undocumented immigrants, in particular, contribute millions and millions of dollars every year to our economy. They pay into systems like Social Security that they can't access or use. Um, you know, we rely on undocumented immigrants, particularly here in the Midwest, um, where we have tons of undocumented immigrants that contribute um, to our agriculture industry, to meatpacking. Um, they are an absolutely vital, critical portion of our economy. And, and I think. I think, and I, I'm assuming you agree with me, that we should be opening doors to to legal immigration Absolutely. instead of because the reason they're coming illegally is they don't have the opportunity, their their, their lives are threatened, whatever it case may be, and we don't have enough legal immigration pathways. Because I heard something about this, uh, there was an app they were supposed to. Um, uh, go into to become uh, to seek asylum into the United States, and the app wasn't working. It's incredibly difficult. It's a fractured system, and it's really hard for people to seek legal pathways to the U.S. Um, and yeah. nobody just picks up and goes through a harrowing, life-altering, I know. dangerous I mean, I, journey who would for do that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Adam, finish with you here on this question. I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on it, you know, like as the world continues down this flirtation with global fascism that you're seeing like all over the place, all kinds of countries seem to be flirting with it. And the climate continues doing what we've set it on the path to do. Like the refugee problem globally is is going to grow. You know, this this is the beginning of what we're going to see. This is not the end of it. Um it, immigration is a hard one for me because I remember one of the first things that truly appalled me about, and there were so many, about the Trump administration was the family separation. Um, yeah, but he said on CNN, the, the, the town hall, that it, that was a great policy. Well, I'm aware of that. <laughs> but, you know, I that was one of the things that I really cemented my view of him. And I'm going to say... I am bitterly disappointed with what the Biden administration has done with regard to that. Um, And it, you know, I cannot afford as an American citizen to check out of politics, but I am tempted regularly. Um, This is define check out. What do you mean? Like you don't want to, I mean, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to think about it. I maybe even don't want to vote, but apathy is not good either though. Adam. That's what I'm saying. I can't afford it. Oh, you can't. Because I I do understand, you know, the stakes. 
But there are times when you get Democrats in the House and the Senate and the White House, you expect certain things to happen. Yeah. And like kidnapping children at the border is one of those things that I would have expected to stop immediately. You would think. And then, you know, there's stories about why it's not possible and the courts ruled this way and, you know, the Biden administration filed this. And, that. and like there's a point where I just I can't. It's like the gun issue. I can't I, I don't even want to hear it. I don't want to. I, I don't know why it's still happening. How come Trump was able to start it, but you're not able to stop it? Yeah. And frankly, yeah. Once I ran into that point and some of the arguments that I had with friends and stuff during the Trump administration, um, and I, I couldn't have that conversation anymore. And it's one of the issues I've checked out of mm -hmm. for my own sanity Yeah, uh, because there are plenty of partially because I don't know if we're going to see action on immigration legislatively in my lifetime. No, I mean, we've had Republicans in control of all three. And we've had Democrats in control of all Well, the three. Gang of Eight and almost we, did it, but well, the, almost, the House at that time would not pass it. Well, but it's always remember? it's yeah. always going to be something like that. Yeah, and yeah. like the the odds of us getting like a, a sixty vote majority in the Senate on either side again in the near future, very, 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 very unlikely. Like yeah, something yeah. catastrophic would have to happen. Um, you're, obviously, I'm assuming that Republicans would get it in that in that situation. Um, but even if Democrats got it, like I, I don't, I can't conceive of how that would even happen. And then that's what I think would be required to get something passed. Mm -hmm. um, and so, to me, it's you know, it breaks my heart, it kills me, and I can't read about it anymore. Yeah, I hear you. It's very sad. And I, and you know, when you watch TV and you see little children crying and, you know, mommy, you know, I didn't, I didn't eat and feel hungry. I'm cold, whatever they, it's just heartbreaking. And, 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 and as an American, we should be, you know, it was supposed to be a Christian nation. Like these Republicans are trying to say, Christians don't act that way. They, they, they help people, you know, but anyway, I digress. That's what you ask. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, as of the taping of this show, this was, I just added this question because I had seen uh, something on the news about it. Uh, for obvious reasons, the debt ceiling needs to be raised. You guys all know that, right? I mean, because if you default on your debt, the country falls into a spiral, you know. Uh, if it's not raised, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says it will be a catastrophic uh, occasion, catastrophic thing, I guess. Do you think Kevin McCarthy or the president, President Biden, is to blame for this drama extending so close to the deadline and why? And what should be done to prevent this default? Does anybody, since we're running close on time here, anybody want to jump in on this one? Are they playing chicken? <laughs> is that what the game is? Oh, we got one here. Okay. So the real question we saw to be framed is, should we pay our bills? And Republicans don't want us to pay our bills. I mean, inflation has increased all of our bills. Our grocery bills, you know, have gone up by 10%. So for the same government services, we should expect that maybe the inflation would have you know made 10% difference there so the problem with the debt ceiling is it does not take inflation into account we didn't build an inflation debt ceiling we built a hard ceiling and i think that was done on purpose so we could have all of this drama every time that we should pay our bills yeah but could you imagine 
you know, calling up a bank as a household and saying, I'm sorry, I hit my debt ceiling. I'm not paying you today. <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. It shouldn't work for the government. And but these are built, the, I hate to interrupt you. These are um, debts that we already incurred. It's almost like, you know, you have your credit card and you buy, you know, a whole menagerie of things. And then you say, yup, I'm not paying it. You can't do that. It's not, that's all, you already. You, we have to finish that analogy though. You have to charge your payments on a credit card in that analogy. We have to borrow more money to continue paying the debts we already have. Uh -huh. Like Republicans have a point in the sense that this, the situation is terrible. It is terrible. But that doesn't mean you can just stick your fingers in your ears and blow raspberries. Right. That, that's, that's not how you solve it. Right. But I, I, have a, I have a thing to add about this. And this is just me, my opinion. We all have opinions, don't we? My mother used to say, we all have opinions and they all stink. <laughs> you know. Anyway, but um, I think that the debt ceiling is important for uh, uh, us to help people. Because, you know, the government ha is there to help you as well. You know, we, it's not only about military spending, you know. And uh, the debt ceiling has to be uh, used as a way, as a revenue uh, bowl of money. Just think of it as a bowl of money. Now, when Donald Trump was president, what did he do? He cut taxes for the very rich people. So now the bowl of money that we were getting shrunk. So now, remember we used to, you could buy you know, your groceries, you had this big bowl, now you have this bowl, this really tiny one to spend money. And that's where the deficits are coming from. Not really, we, we, we don't have enough taxes for uh, um, being paid by the upper echelon to uh, help people, to give the child care that we need, health care that we need. We just don't have, the bowl is shrinking. What do you think of that? And the punchline to that yeah. is at the same time, Trump, in Trump's era, we raised the debt ceiling three times. Well, that's my point. Of you course. see, he knew he had to raise it uh, with the small bowl <laughs> because you don't have the money, you know. But, uh, yeah. Do you, you want to oh, say something? Oh, I was just going to say, it's a complex issue, and it's an issue that crops up time and again and time and again, and the Republicans do not make nearly as big a fuss about it when one of their own is sitting in the White House. Um, and then suddenly when we have, you know, a Democratic president, it becomes this big issue that they want to create a wedge with. It, it's not an easy issue, um, and it's unfortunate that we were stuck dealing with somebody like McCarthy on this um, because it's. He, I I don't think he legitimately or seriously negotiates in good faith. Right, because so. he's got Marjorie Taylor Greene and and Lauren Boebert to deal with, and you know they. And actually, I don't know if you guys know this, but if one of them objects to anything he does mm -hmm. because of that 15 vote. Remember, he went through 15 rounds uh, mm -hmm. to become speaker. They, they agreed that one little thing you do, one of us could just say, bye-bye. So he's really up a creek without a paddle at this point. You know, it's, it's not like dealing with... And I mean, not that Republicans 15 years ago were any better, but it is a whole new ball game in terms of dealing with McCarthy now yeah, versus trying absolutely. to negotiate with somebody like John Boehner. Yeah. Can I say one thing about that? Yeah, sure. The, the, I firmly believe this has never been about the debt ceiling or about um, 
you know, America's debt or anything like that. If Republicans cared about America's debt, they would take responsible action, write a budget, come together, get it taken care of. This is about riling up the base. It is about political fodder. And they are taking it to the very edge this time. And I think there's a very good chance that Biden is going to have to go the 14th Amendment route. He has to do that rather than let the country default. Yeah. And I hope he does. Well, yeah. I don't. I hope that Kevin McCarthy brings a clean vote to the floor and that well, passes. That's what you know. has to happen. Any other result is bad for America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Including and the if one the queen where had Biden... testicles, she'd be the king. Yeah, but I don't. But, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I it's mean, not. I'm, it's I'm, not I'm, going to happen. I'm hoping. It's, it's but... what should happen. But oh yeah. My yeah, point yeah, is, sure, if sure. Biden invokes the Fourteenth Amendment, what do we have? We have yet again a president taking mm -hmm. unilateral action to override laws that were passed by Congress and claiming that it is authorized by the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Again, we have unilateral executive action being claimed as constitutional, and almost certainly the Supreme Court is going to approve it. And every single time this happens, it doesn't matter what color the guy's tie is, mm -hmm. it is bad for America. Very and bad. I think there's a possibility that they're just driving straight towards it because they know it's a win-win for the grand plan of just throwing democracy out the window. Yeah, okay. You could be right. Anyway, uh, so before we close the show, to, I can't believe it's almost over already, right? Um, is there any particular political story that I haven't mentioned that you would like to address or anything you want to say to our listeners? Now, remember, you guys have your own personal stories. Maybe you have something you want to promote. You have a book you're writing. You're uh, going to run for office. You're doing whatever you're going to do. This is your, this is your the spotlight's on you. So we'll start with Adam. Anything you uh, want to add? You want, I it, mean, it's been a while since I saw you, Adam. Yeah. So I'm sure something you want to say. I, I wish I had something more concrete to say, but I am going to be writing novels again before the end of the year. Okay. I know that for certain. So maybe we'll have you on in the future to talk about your new, your new books. Yeah. The last few years have made it basically impossible. Um, and a number of things have resolved for me recently where I actually have time and mental energy again. Mm -hmm. Not that I sound like I do, but I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, good luck with your, with your books. And Thank I you. hope they, they do very well. I'm sure they will. Uh, Sue Ann, anything you want to add? I want to say something about the, the, the middle, the moderates, because I've spent a lot of time with family members in the last six months and a lot of co good conversations. And it's where I, I can kind of see their point. I'm not talking about these, you know, ex extraneous issues, but basically like what government, I want the government, I don't want the government to tell me what to do sort of thing. But then when you, when you pair that down to what exactly is it that you don't like, and I can see, you know, based on what your life is like and what your uh, profession is, I, I can see points. And that's where we, we're missing this conversation and it's not sexy to have like two people in the middle talking about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my perspective of working with immigrants, I have that I know actual immigrants and their stories, hundreds of them, right? And then we have a small business owner who, well, they they don't understand why they're, they're being, um, there's so many government restrictions and, and they're distrustful. And so that was, it's been very helpful for me to talk to people like that. And I just wish we had more of that, uh, those conversations yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like, how can you reach that person and so that they can understand? Cause I a lot of it is like, well, if they don't really understand why those restrictions are being put on and they just see it as 
you know, the government's out to get me and limit my, and, mm-hmm. and I, because I'm, I'm, I'm Democrat and I see the other side of it. So if we can get the conversation closer to where you can see. Yeah, it's very tribal. You can, you yeah. Can, yeah. And I was just starting to feel like, yeah, I mean, to some extent, not guilty of it, but I, we just don't, it's not sexy enough. It's not, there's not a money maker. There's not like going to be a show like, hey, let's just talk about how we can solve these problems together. You know, yeah, who's yeah, going to yeah. watch that? All right. Grace <laughs> Kelly. I like to say your name in, 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 really? in syllables. Grace <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I always get name jokes. <laughs> uh, the one thing I want to point out to everyone, and even Adam here, who's been so wonderful, is you know it's it's easy to see the negative. That's all the news feeds us constantly. And if you step back and take a look at things... There are things that are improving. I mean, this is the state that took on the issue of who do you get to love. And when we decided, the direction that we decided, the rest of the country followed. And, I mean, that was huge. And I didn't think it would happen so fast and so quickly. And even though I know that all these laws are being passed and things are you know, desperate to, to, to put it back away. It'll never go away again. It's known. It's, it's out there. Things are changing. But when they get there, it's not like it's a news item. It's just like, oh, that's the way it's been, you know, and, and it becomes normal and average. And Minnesota has been moving the country in many different ways. And um, our attitude of take care of one another, that diversity is strength, that we pay our bills, that, you know, life might not be perfect, but we're going to help each other and we're going to get through this. This is an attitude we can take nationally. I believe in us and I believe in our leadership. Yes, Minnesota leads. That I like that's a the new, North that's a new State, slogan. Right? Yeah. And lastly, Austin, what do you think? Yeah, um, you know, I will say politics is exhausting. Um, and I, I hear you, Adam, in terms of the wanting to check out. Um, it's, it is a daily struggle. I felt like I f- unclenched my jaw for the first time after Trump, you know, when we got the election results and he was not in office anymore. It is, it weighs on your soul. It weighs on your mind. Um, with all of that said, uh, things are changing in Minnesota, and that has put a giant target on us. It's put a target on every one of our legislators in the trifecta. It's put a target on our statewide officers in terms of the GOP is coming for us, um, and we cannot be complacent in 2024. Um, you know, We are so blessed in Minnesota to have people like Secretary of State Steve Simon and Attorney General Keith Ellison, um, Governor Walls, Lieutenant Governor Flanagan, and our fantastic state auditor julie blaha um and while and and every race matters up and down the ballot um but what i will say to people that do feel exhausted is find a race where you can plug in and get involved with that and maybe it's your congressional candidate maybe it's your local candidate maybe it's one of the statewide offices um nobody has energy to do it all but find one and even if you only volunteer one you know two-hour shift to door knock or one fundraiser to make cupcakes or something for, it all adds up in the end. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're feeling exhausted, if you can manage to do one of those things, 
sometime in the total cycle, you've still helped. Yeah. And make it fun for yourself too, because it shouldn't be a drudgery to help other people. You know what I'm saying? And be, because and we at the DFL, we love everybody. Yay. Peace and love, right? Anyway, we have unfortunately come to the end of the show, and I just want to say personally, um, I'm not going to look at, I'm not looking at my script now. I'm just going to look right in your faces that I, I appreciate each and every one of you because uh, you're what makes my show what it is. I mean, you, you, your, your voices, your journeys, um, everything you say is just touching me. Um, I, I very rarely disagree with any of you because I, we seem to be on the same page. But um, a year later for some of you and recently for some of the other two guests, um, we still are on the same page. And I have noticed nothing's really diverged. Nothing has changed. And I appreciate you all for coming and thank you again. And, I, and there could be a third time. Who knows, right? Because you guys are so great. Um, I'm sure the audience says, yeah, bring it back. <laughs> so um, thank you anyway for sharing your, your, your stories with us and your, your, your opinions. And um, for now, we're going to have to say goodbye. And um, again, well, we should say so long. You say so goodbye. long. Thank you so Farewell. much for this opportunity. Everybody say bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. Okay. Bye-bye. And on behalf <laughs> of the Downright Upright Show, again, I'd like to thank the guests. Uh, listeners, and I'm your host, Philip Anthony, saying ciao for now.